0: Welcome to Fast Forward, a brand new podcast by Tech Manchester. I'm your host, Patricia Keating. I'm Executive Director and Program Lead. So, in this podcast, we're going to be delving into all the stuff that keeps you awake at night, whether you're starting out in business or whether you're taking your company to the next level. So, before we dive in, you might want to know a little bit more about Tech Manchester. So, I have here with me today Lawrence Jones, CEO of UK Fast. Lawrence, Tech Manchester is an organisation that's fully funded by UK Fast. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to support and bring about this organisation?
1: I've always been passionate about helping others in the tech community, well, in business in general, especially those who are less fortunate than ourselves. And, but this idea came around from a person who transformed Manchester, a chap called Sir Howard Bernstein, who over the years has become a good friend. And I didn't know him very well at the time, but he obviously knew me from our work that we do with UK Fast and within the local community. And I was invited to an event in Manchester Town Hall, and he did a speech. He was talking about the important role that tech plays when you're growing a city. And I think what Sir Howard and his leaders understood was the next layer or the next wave. If we really wanted to capitalize on taking Manchester to the next level, we really have to harness tech and harness all the organizations that are within tech. There are a huge number of them, and there are some brilliant organizations and a lot of people trying to do a lot of good in the city. and. So Howard was quite frustrated that he didn't feel that they were all pulling the right direction or in the same direction. At the end of the speech, he went to sit down and then stood straight back up again. And we'd all thought he'd finished. And then he actually said, almost flippantly, he said, I'd rather hoped that Lawrence Jones would sort this problem out for us and pointed at me. And we got talking afterwards, and that was enough for me. To have a city leader of such stature put their faith in me for such an important task, I didn't sleep that night. And that's not an exaggeration. And by the morning, I had mapped out and drawn exactly what Manchester needed, in my own opinion. I knew I had to go around and canvass other people's opinion, but I had a good idea of what I thought from a business leader's perspective. So that's how it sort of came about the inspirational side. But then I, I then employed somebody from Manchester Business School to do some research and go around and tell me what the tech landscape looked like and all the different types of organizations that Howard was talking about and see if we could pull them all together. And that's not been an easy task. And setting up Tech Manchester, in fact, a lot of people were a little bit frustrated thinking, well, there's just another organization. Well, we're already doing that. But We're not here to tread on people's toes. We're here to try and connect people and be the glue and also fund certain elements and get people to use our facilities. So I know it's a bit of a long-winded answer, but (laughs) it was Sir Howard Bernstein who was the biggest inspiration.
0: That piece of research was one of the first things that you gave me when I started here over 18 months ago. Mm -hmm. When you look back on our first year and what we've been progressing, is it evolving into the thing that you wanted to see it achieve? What was it that you wanted Tech Manchester to achieve?
1: I just wanted to be a supportive organization. So is it evolving as I expected it to? Well, you can't really predict. I've learned you get very, very frustrated if you try and map out every step that you'll take in life because you'll not go in the direction you might expect. But am I proud of it? Yes, the answer is hugely yes, because it is the supportive organization that we set out to create. What I would say is that it's doing things differently that's no surprise bringing on a leader like yourself you have put your mark on it the mentoring program that you're heading up and I get to see something else you know obviously you're hands-on in there with all the mentors and mentees but I get to see and hear the feedback from people who are experiencing it and a lot of it just private messages to me just to say thank you for inspiring and thank you for revolutionizing areas of their business it's just amazing.
0: I think it's one of the most rewarding parts of it is that, you know, you've brought me in, but you've you've really given me complete freedom to build it as I see best. And coming in from a, a non-Manchester background, being able to come in and do that from a fresh set of eyes. I guess what's interesting now is when we look back, we've now helped hundreds of startups in the first 18 months mm-hmm. through the educational workshops that we do, the mentor program that you've mentioned, the PR and comm support that we provide them in-house here. Um, and you've, you've had some first-hand um, engagement with some of the startups. Um, can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Well, yeah, and where do I start? So, got a young man called Sean. I first met him at Social Chain, and we were going to use Social Chain, funnily enough, and we went to talk to them about them helping us with our social media strategy. Both organizations decided it wasn't really the right fit, and we didn't end up using them. But what I did do on that journey, I, I learned that Sean was a customer of UK Fast. I was really shocked, I didn't realize. And Sean had actually gone and built an amazing platform. It was called Mercato, and he is as obsessed about e-commerce as I am. And so I connected him with you,
0: yeah,
1: and he got involved and helped in the mentoring programs as well.
0: Which has led to a very interesting developments. Well, so yeah, that, because
1: or? I didn't want him working from home. He left his job at Social Chain, I said, well, just come and have a desk here.
0: Mm-hmm. I think the journey that you've been on with Macarto and Sean there is, is really fascinating and it's so exciting to see where that's going to lead. You spent some time over the summer with uh, another young set of entrepreneurs um, actually celebrating their Tech Manchester birthday. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, the Bislett boys. Yeah, I've known them for a number of years. They've come to a lot of the events we put on. We've put on Inspire Manchester and they've been involved. They've even been on stage, Business Cloud event recently. And over that time, I've got involved and really tried to understand what they're doing and, and offered support and help. In a world where we're all getting obsessed by every detail and the nuance of an e-commerce transaction and the whole journey of a customer online, there is no doubt that the high street has fallen behind and it becomes very, very difficult to have that same level of detail and analysis. And what the Bizlet team have done is create something that gives shop owners a huge amount of extra information about shopping habits and their movements. So yeah, so I interviewed them just to see how they're getting on and also offered them some space in the new Fast Forward project. It's surprising that I've actually made money as a businessman because so far I've put two businesses in there and none of them are paying us a penny.
0: I know every time I listen to a podcast, you're giving people their space. <laughs> well, you know,
1: I look, and we can. We're already paying the rent and the rates yeah. and we've got the electricity and the phone bills and that sort of stuff. So why not? I've got empty space here. I'd much rather being used and utilized by some of these inspirations.
0: So what did you learn when you spent some time with them?
1: Well, the two of them are like a dog with a bone, and they're very focused. They're determined that they are going to get what they want and build a really brilliant platform. I gave them some advice about the areas where I think they needed to focus, which they've taken very, very well, and I think that's helped them enormously. So, yeah, really, really exciting for them.
0: So I think we're actually going to get a bit of a sneak peek firsthand uh, account of what you actually talked to the Bizlit Boys about. So we're just going to cross over now to the recording that you did in July and hear all about it.
1: I'm here with Jordan and Michael from Bislett and they're probably wondering why I've asked them to come in today. They had no idea that they were going to be in front of the camera, so apologies for that. But I've got a few surprises at my sleeve. But first of all, do you want to talk to me about what you do? Number one, yeah. so okay. what, is it, what is it that you two do?
2: Okay, well now I've taken my spandex shorts off as what I was wearing when you called us this morning. Um, I'm glad about that. I know, yeah, (laughs) that was a bit of a rush home. So at Bizlet, um, we're all about bringing the power that online retailers have to the high street. So if you're an online retailer, you know exactly who's visiting your site, what they're looking at, what they're buying, what they're not buying. Um, You can communicate them after they've visited your site. Whereas in the high street, you essentially know nothing. People walk in the door, you don't know who they are. They buy something and they leave. Um, So we bring this power that these online retailers have to the high street. So a high street retailer can upload all their products. So if you're uh, walking to a mall or a high street, you can search whatever you want, it shows you where it is on the map, and then you can go there and pick it up. It's essentially a loyalty platform, so you'll scan your app or your loyalty card, and the retailer will know exactly who you are, what you're interested in, um, and then can tailor the shopping experience a lot more personally for you. So we deliver this in two ways. We have the public site, which any retailer can sign up to, and then we also have uh, white label solutions, which are really leading loyalty platforms that any retailer can have um, in their own branding and with their own feature set.
1: Okay, pretty good description. Thank you. So how did you set Bizlet up, and how long ago did you set Bizlet up?
3: Mm. Um, Well, I initially came up with the idea with my uncle. Um, We saw the struggle of SEO for small businesses online. Um, So we tried to come up with a new way of searching and finding businesses with the Bizlet platform, uh, which was only publicly available at the first. Um, And after a big tender process with a large company, we ended up losing it. We decided to strengthen the the platform, mm. uh, move it more to an offers based platform.
1: So. Yeah. Okay, and how did you two meet? Well, we went to the same
3: college. We did, but, but we, we didn't, didn't know each, know each
2: other. other. In fact, I knew of him, I didn't like him. He was winning loads of entrepreneur awards. Yeah, I New York entrepreneur yeah. as a year, I had nothing, and I had fairly all right business at the time. Yeah. So I always say, I oh, who's this uh, little rascal? Yeah, I was
3: just a little techie getting, trying yeah. to get my name out there a little bit. Yeah, he did a well. um, Winning awards and things. He actually had a business, making money and everything. Uh, but he wasn't getting noticed, so he was a bit jealous of me. Um, but, uh, yeah, but it, the, the way we got together is towards the end of my university course, I was up in York and my girlfriend was looking on Facebook scrolling through and I see this nice young chap, well-dressed, stood in front of his Porsche, uh, posing, uh, and- Was it was your like, Porsche? It was. You know, I don't
2: know anymore that I've grown up. Honestly.
3: Um, so I was like, who's that? And she explained, he was from college, he's in the year above. Etc. Um, went straight on Facebook, did my research, did my homework, messaged him, met him that week yeah. uh, in the Hilton in Manchester, yeah. and that was it. We cracked on there and then, and well, we're it? here now, a couple of years later.
1: It's amazing the power of of, of a couple, yeah. and obviously a very different couple from me and Gail. I'm not suggesting anything, <laughs> wow. but but roles met Royce, and they, they had a, a really uh, important meeting in the middle the hotel, funnily enough, where I used to play the piano years ago. And that story inspired me massively. One of my best friends, Tim Bacon, he sadly died now, he was the face of Living Ventures that went on to do mm. incredible things right across the country. He has a guy, or had a guy called Jeremy, that worked incredibly well. He did the behind the scenes stuff. And I think you need that balance, don't you? Mm. So I presume you're the, the more sales function yeah. and, and you're, you do the clever stuff. Yeah, yeah so, i so, But technical you're a bit like and me so. and Gail does yeah. all the clever stuff here. Yeah. So. But you know, without it, the yeah. two of you probably wouldn't be successful. Yeah. But together, yeah. and the important thing I've learned is, is when you are building a business, no matter how big it gets, because in the early stage when everyone's very, very busy, relationships are very strong. But as, as people get incredibly successful, Sometimes a divide can happen where mm. people start thinking, well, he's not as good as me. He couldn't have done it without me. And then often partnerships fall apart. Mm. So it's very, very important to maintain that and mm. make sure that you keep mm. working closely together. It works well for me and Gail because we're married, so we haven't got a choice. Yeah, yeah. We, have to, we have to always remedy issues. Yeah, yeah. And I've always learned that she's always right anyway so talk to me about Bizlet. is that what how how big is Bizlet? you've been doing it what a couple of years a
2: couple of years yeah
1: okay and how tough have those couple of years been because i know what i I remember Mm. our first two years and there were months where we just ate porridge Mm. and that's not an exaggeration Mm. sometimes we would upgrade that to wheatabix if we were lucky but Mm. it was it was a really really tough time and how tough is it growing this little business.
2: It is. I mean, that nice Porsche that I had, that's now gone. Absorbed <laughs> yeah. by It's sort of Good. Saying.
1: I'm glad about that as well, because yeah. you don't want to be wasting money on, on silly things in the early yeah, stages. Yeah, exactly.
2: Peugeot partner fan now. Yeah. So, yeah, toot, toot coming through. But um, yeah, it has been difficult. Like, I'm a big fan of like doing things ourselves sort of thing, getting a real good shot, getting a bit of traction before we look at kind of raising investment or whatever it yeah. may be. So yeah, the first couple of years, we're just trying to get that early traction. And... In the kind of sector that we're in, there's a lot of big, big multi-billion-pound companies that are kind of doing the same thing, like Don Humby, big loyalty providers. Yeah. Um. So it's a it is quite a bit of a challenge when you're trying to, as a small company, live up to these huge competitors that you've got, sort of thing. But through that, because we're like young minds and we're like real consumers, we know kind of what we want when we're shopping. So we can kind of build a platform that offsets these like old difficult to use clunky platforms that these big guys have and come in with a much fresher unique proposition really. So it's kind of been that that's got us to where we are but still it's not been easy. Like you mentioned lost the first like proper deal against a huge company. That huge company's product actually got uh, dropped by the client and they've come back to us again revisiting what we could do for them. So things come around but you know it's a good job we're still here because that was like a good year half ago and you know it's. Still been like difficult fighting there uh, since then, so it's a good job we're still here. But it's always just been trying to portray an image of as reputable and competent as possible to get these big clients. And so far, we're doing, doing okay. So, uh,
1: so you work with Spa, mm. how's that going?
2: It's going very well. So, that was a good one for us because a kind of the usual sales pattern is to go to do the you know C level people and do like a huge long sales pipe drive there might go out to tender and then you don't know who you're up against extra so with Spar, it was all independent retailers so we could go directly to like the frontline guys with a product that they are crying out for deliver that product and then kind of go up the um, kind of the rank that way and that's now gone really well so Spar at the moment are running out another 25 stores but then we also signed up, don't know if we can announce it yet but we will Eurogarages last week well are doing a nationwide pilot as well and that's like a huge player and um, with 1,000 businesses over in America, Europe as well, which is kind of like the next level if we prove ourselves at this earlier stage. So it's going well and it's uh, looking good. And now it's just uh, getting as many clients, um, warm clients as possible sort of thing. And that's what we're focused on.
1: Excellent, I know you've been pitching to me for years to, to invest in you guys. And I, I, I think we're getting close, mm. very, very close to, to coming up with mm. some sort of deal. The important thing for me is the people mm. and, and that I'm sold on. I think the pair of you are a great young entrepreneurs. But that's not why you're here today. Where do you currently work?
2: We have a semi office that we sometimes go into, but it could be nice restaurants, um pubs. Yeah, there's one in particular that
1: you've told me about where you get free coffee. Weatherspoons.
2: Yeah, yeah. Weatherspoons. So weatherspoons. So how does that work
1: for you? Uh it's a one pound coffee, but
3: other than that, it's um Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not the greatest place it's, uh, to concentrate and focus.
1: When you consider that that's where you've been mm. going religiously every single day, mm. apart from the fact that you've made a few jokes that you're probably driving them a bit potty because yeah. you are there all the time, uh-huh. hats off to you, mm. for the fact that you've managed to build this to this extent. Mm. So what I want to do is, it's Tech Manchester's first year birthday today. Normally when it's somebody's birthday, you give them a present, so what I want to do today is give Tech Manchester you guys as a present and say, have an office over there mm-hmm. in in the fast forward project that is it, it's still a bit rough and ready it's far from right, finished right, but right. i what i'd like to do is just say it's there it's yours i'll pay for your phone calls oh, the facility we've got mm-hmm. over there all they yours to, to mm-hmm. use too and there'll be no charge for business rates or rent or electricity mm. or anything like that. So that's my gift to you. Yeah, thanks. For, sure, for nice. Thank you very much.
3: That'll be a step up from where yeah. So Yeah, as as there's and, and, and there's,
1: well, there's still plenty of coffee here as well. So, <laughs> yeah. and there is, you know, downstairs we're, we're just completing on a, finishing off the designs for a nice whole food cafe. Mm. And also the educational side, so we will be expanding that to help people learn coding. I've already got one little organization in there called Picarta that i am invested in taking a 50% stake in that. And Sean's over there, and actually what I'm learning is having these innovators and these young tech entrepreneurs in these places, great things happen, and they start collaborating with my programmers and other techies. We actually gave him one of our programmers as a start, and then he's using Harper James, which is one of our companies that can help with his design aspects. So suddenly you'll have the auditorium and you'll have all these amazing dynamic mm. people around you. You'll have a beach if you want to come and have a <laughs> cup of tea or a nice lolly on the beach. Mm. So yeah, how, how do you feel about that? That
2: is amazing. Yeah? Actually brilliant. Excellent. Because we've seen it being built and it's been exciting even watching it since it'll be... Well, you've actually not it'll seen it it be upstairs better. like that. No, no. you've not seen no, we've no. not been. Yeah, anywhere.
1: so I'll, I'll take you over there in a minute and you'll, you'll be blown away. It's pretty, pretty impressive. Brilliant. So you mentioned that you'd seen him there with his Porsche. What were you doing? That you, that you suddenly did so well when you were at college, hmm. uh, but you now don't have a Porsche. Yeah. So what were you doing <laughs> right back then that, yeah. that obviously caught Michael's attention?
2: Yeah, it was gold and diamond gadgets. So uh, it was like gold-plated iPhones, MacBooks, um, cars, if you're so blingy, that kind of thing. So it all started on eBay and just saw like a picture online of a gold iPhone, found how to create that iPhone, just stuck the picture up on eBay. Someone bought it over in America. Always remember your first customer, isn't it? So did that, went very well, looked very nice, took more pictures and then um, from there just went really quite well on eBay and then out to like, different retailers around the world like China, Dubai, Azerbaijan, and just up and up really. What's the
1: craziest thing you've gold-plated?
2: Probably a Rolls-Royce Phantom. That's
1: incredible, and, yeah. who, and who on earth would? It me wasn't me, that, by the yeah, way. No. Who, 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 on earth would let you gold plate know. a Rolls Royce Phantom?
2: Someone who didn't know I was doing most of my gold plate from my mum's dining table, probably. So, um, yeah. And did it go okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know about now, but yeah, <laughs> it may have rubbed off. But no, no, it, it looked uh, looked great. Fantastic.
1: Yeah. Mm. And what other business ideas have you had?
2: So we did a bit of car wrapping together to fund Bizlit. So that was essentially looking at a YouTube video of like a liquid spray that creates a vinyl on a car to change the colour. So we did a couple of jobs of that up and down the country in a little... And how did that van. go? All right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Did yeah, you yeah. have a
1: few few hiccups along no, the way? No, no,
2: no, yeah, no, it was great. Yeah, All right, okay. We did, did yeah, did have to refund one guy.
1: <laughs> go on, tell me about that one. Uh, <laughs>
2: To be fair, we outsourced this to uh, yeah. some other guys. Great them. lesson to
1: learn here. Yeah. I know.
2: Do everything in, in-house like yourself. Yeah. So we outsourced it to these guys because the, the customer was really quite picky from the off, so we thought, well, this will be a bit of a risky one. So we got the pros in to do it. They went down and wrapped it with a proper vinyl, that our spray stuff. and It was just a disaster. Like, I started peeling off. The customer was going mad at me, but obviously I wasn't even there, so it was a little bit of a tricky one to handle. Customer went and got it um, removed himself, and it was like a classic car with not a great paint job, so some of the paint peeled off from underneath it. Contractor did a runner, closed down the business, so no company or whatever protection there. And then, yeah, I had to end up forking a bill to get his, the guy's customer's van re wrapped by someone else. So uh, that, that was the last uh, wrapping one we uh, looked at. So it's back to uh, proper businesses, <laughs> really.
1: But I take it it helped some of that journey, it helped fund certain elements it did. of the journey. I mean, it was
2: a profitable one. It's still kind of like the backup now. or well, it was the backup like the earlier days. But um well it's good experiences. You have to have a good fun story, don't you? So uh, that all adds to our Well journey.
1: when we started we, we started obviously the idea was to host websites and mm. to get that off the ground, we actually ended up building websites for people. Mm. So I was actually coding and was learning Perl and we built some amazing websites, but it wasn't me, it was very difficult. I'm not one of those types of people who, who can sit still for very, very long, mm-hmm. which obviously is a bit of a downfall. And that's mm. why you need people like yourself or Gail, or then I brought Neil Lathwood in and we never looked back, mm. but you're now in a much, much stronger position that you're going out looking for, for people that may invest in your business. Mm because you're, you've actually got a proof of concept, yeah. it works. And I think there's too many businesses out there at the moment or young entrepreneurs yeah. going out there that spend so much time with these first round funding yeah, yeah. that yeah. They've, they've, all they've got is a piece of paper, or an idea or yeah. a nice presentation.
3: Yeah. Initially, I would say that's how I thought. When I started university and I came up with some ideas of businesses, I was all about getting the idea, making a business plan, and going to people, trying to see about seeking investment. Things like that got shot down a lot and everything, and I thought there was something wrong with my idea or something. But everyone kept saying the same thing, go out and prove it first, get something, get your first customers first. So I think that's a valuable yeah. lesson that we've learned ourselves. Well, that, I, that's I,
1: one of the reasons why I've not just jumped in and just written you a big check and say, yeah. there you go, chaps. Yeah. I could do that, it'd be very easy to do that, but at the same time, I don't think you'd appreciate it. Absolutely. Because you've had to overstretch yourself and overextend yourself, mm. because you work in a, in a pub mm. and you are really struggling to make, make this work, by the time I team up with you or somebody else teams up with you, you're going to value that extra, not just the money that you can get mm. from them, but the nuances, the Tech manager approach, all the things that UK Fast has to offer mm. and, and can bring to you.
2: Mm. Absolutely, in fairness it took us a year and a half to even find our feet with exactly what the product was like the first Kind of version of Bizlet wasn't that great So if we'd have taken money then we'd probably be out of money now and not have the big clients we do and then we would be back to square one so
1: So obviously I've heard about your entrepreneurial prowess. What about yourself? I can't imagine there's there's uh, nothing there I'm sure there is something. Yeah,
3: um, I mean I first started I guess if you think about the entrepreneurial mind, I was eight selling Lego in primary school, so I made my mum take me to Staples, uh, buy me a leather folder, pencils and all that thing. Um, Turned up to school with my Lego, because I had hundreds of it. Um, Turned up and I was reselling heads and everything and making money off that. Um, So I was always kind of in that mindset of wanting to make money off business. Um, But then when I was 12, at high school, my mum bought me a laptop. I quickly got into downloading people's websites, changing the code, breaking them, trying to resell them to people as templates, even though they were other people's websites. Got into a lot of trouble off some big web agencies, ringing up my mum's house phone, saying, hi, do you know there's this website, blah, 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 from your address with your phone number on it? And she was like, no. So she put the phone on to me, a little 12-year-old, and I was like, Hi, uh, yes, that's me. So I had to take the websites down. But yeah, that's how I got into it. Uh, I started hacking on PlayStations and things and hacking my mum's email accounts when she took the PlayStations off me. And then, yeah, I just got really into coding. thought it was what I wanted to do. But as my own business, I wanted to build my own platform to provide
1: for someone. So Can you see the merit in joining together and yeah. the power that then brings you?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when we first got together, you know, there was thoughts of like, Oh, I'm all technical and this is technical business or anything and stuff. But then you quickly realise like, you know, because I was kind of naive. I was like, oh, I just, you know, you see things like Facebook pop up and you're kind of like, I'll just build a platform. I'll put it out there. People are going to use it. People are going to buy into it. It's going to be easy. Um, that kind of naive mindset. Um, you quickly learn it isn't. Uh, and when you partner up with someone who's a bit more financial mindset, a bit more business like, you know, understands businesses and everything. Um, I think when you bring them two minds together, they complement each other great, And it's a learning curve
1: as well. So no matter how much you think you know, I yeah. remember being, how old are you? 25. How old are you? 24. So I remember being 25, 24, and phew, I thought I knew everything.
2: Yeah.
1: And I genuinely, and I didn't mean it in an arrogant way, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I genuinely thought, well, I now know enough. Mm-hmm. I know enough. But you, you really know enough to, to probably send yourself off a cliff just a little bit faster than mm-hmm. you could have done if you didn't know as much. Mm-hmm. You can't sometimes see the, the problems so you you know how to build something but it's very difficult to anticipate things that you're not Mm. that when you don't have the experience so i think that's all obviously why why mentoring works why the tech manchester Mm. mentoring program works so well pairing people with, with people who have been around the block a little bit or made those mistakes and, and, and crashed a few times, mm. dusted himself off, got back on. I've never found an entrepreneur who hasn't lost a business yeah. or had a yeah. really serious tough time at some point in their life. It doesn't matter how successful they are. Every single person I know, myself included, has had one of those calamities, at least one. Mm. I've had a few. So if you're looking now to expand. Who would be or what type of skill set would you be mm. looking for in the first person that you two would employ?
2: Okay, so someone's kind of reliable, really. Like We've had a lot of problems, especially with developers. No offence, but they seem to be unreliable by nature. <laughs> but
1: I don't think it's by nature. I think it's to do with the fact mm. that the market is growing so fast. Mm. You see it in success in any area. Mm. So, building is a classic one where you get a really, really successful builder and they get more and more and more jobs because of their success. Mm. Eventually, they start to spread themselves too thin, mm. and before you know it, problems start yeah. reappearing or appearing. Mm. So, I think at the moment, the market is growing so fast, programs of all types, you know, Linux, mm. uh, specialties where, where there, there is a, a drought, mm. suddenly, the cost of those people goes up significantly. So if you've contracted somebody and I say, I'm going to give you 5,000 pounds to complete this work, mm. and somebody just turns up and says, I'm in trouble. I'll give you 15,000 if pounds if you drop everything and come and help me out, mm. unfortunately, a lot of people would go, sorry, chaps, I'm going to go work over here. Yep. There are very, very few people who will necessarily honor those. I mean, obviously, they're yeah. the sorts of people that you want, yeah. but they are much, much fewer. We psychometric test everybody within mm. UK fast before they join because we look for that supportive gene, the people who aren't going to leave you in the lurch. So those programmers are out there, some brilliant yeah, programmers out true. there, some brilliant people out there, yeah. but there's also some people who'll be more interested in making a quick buck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I've gravitated towards you two and you gravitated towards them mm. myself. And they are obviously the traits that you need to really, really yeah. find and work yeah. hard. Yeah. Not saying it's going to be easy, no. but I would rather have no one than the wrong person.
3: Yeah, yeah we, We've got our eyes on one developer at the minute that we're looking to poach. Yeah. We? Uh, well, don't mention dad, him or so. somebody else
1: might go and poach yeah, him. Yeah, no, I'm not going to no mention names, <laughs> but
3: um, yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's, he's got a good head, good he's guy. young, he's looking to work with us because of our clients and stuff, you know, he's, he's liking what we're doing mm. um, as opposed to just being more like, yeah, I cost this much, I'm this much. And are these possible, skills
1: so. that you haven't got yet or, or they're skills that you do have, but you just need more of them?
3: Skills that we have uh, an essence of, or a reasonable mm. essence of, but this guy in particular with his varied uh, skill base in, in, in technical, uh could really take us, yeah, uh, prepared. He, he could do a lot for us basically. With multiple clients he could get things set up yeah. instantly, he, he has his head screwed on. With, mm. with the environments we work in, the languages, Linux, etc, he, he knows it all. So.
1: And he's we, still using that crazy dude down south. Oh, he's okay. gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: He's gone. Um, he lets down so. a big way, yeah. On yeah. um, the delivery day for a client and didn't hear anything from him. So that's really when we found this guy and then two yeah. other guys who were really solid in a rush over the weekend, but they're kind of more engaged with what we're trying to do and go forward. So yeah. Well, it's
1: tough to as a up, but yeah. I think you're, you're going from that tiny infant yeah. to the next stage, to yeah. a toddler. Yeah. And you have a lot of experience under your belt now. Even at 25, you've got mm. a huge amount of experience considering mm-hmm. you're both 25. So it's great to see you pushing those boundaries and, and falling over, tripping over, but fundamentally getting up and not letting yeah. the people around you, oh, yeah. not yeah. letting them down. And that's that's a lovely trait, and that's mm. one of the reasons why you're here today. And mm. and I'm going to give you this. I could have given oh, this yeah. opportunity to so. thousands of businesses in Manchester, mm. but it's going to you too. Thank, Thank you. Happy about that.
3: Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, Lance. No, well, right. well done. Okay.
0: So we're back here together with the Buzlet guys again. It's been three months since that conversation with Lawrence. Jordan, can you tell us what's been happening since?
3: Yeah, so we've recently moved into the fast-forward space. Um, There's a bunch of cool guys in there. There's other resources from teams within UK Fast. Uh, It's been fun. We have a bit of a kick-around with the football. We've... um, The developers, we've been with Sean at Mercato, been bouncing ideas off him, Seeing ways we can collaborate in the future. Um, It's been all around fun, but we've been able to uh, put our minds down and and really focus on the business and and make all the important changes that we've made in the business uh, model recently. Um, And it's just allowed us to really get on, really crack on with our client base uh, and expand our sales pipeline
0: those changes that you've been focusing on and, and made to the business that has led to a few more exciting developments. Michael, do you want to, what can you tell us about that?
2: It has indeed. So um, we've been looking at the future of Bizlet and how we can really streamline, maximize our growth. And obviously Lawrence has been a kind of a mentor to us for, I'd say probably a year and a year, maybe two. But he's now shown some quite a lot of interest in the business and we're working towards a deal for partnership there commercial wise to really, really accelerate how fast we can grow and tap into Lawrence's resources even more and really bring him on as kind of like a actual partner in the business um, and really take us to the next level. Sounds
0: like you are both on quite a bit of a high at the minute with we, the business. We certainly are, yes. Um, I think the, uh, the listeners and the purpose of the podcast is that we recognize that the entrepreneur's journey is is a bit of a roller coaster it's full of highs and lows and those highs get higher and the lows get quite mm. a bit lower as you d- keep going developing those businesses um so it hasn't always been as high as it is at the minute do you want to tell us a bit about some of the challenges that you faced and how you've overcome those um to help other entrepreneurs out there
2: yeah absolutely so as a startup it's always difficult to compete with the big big players out there already you know they've got a bit of credibility behind them a bit of resource behind them already bit of traction. But my advice is simply just never, ever, ever take no for an answer. So we've been shot back plenty of times with clients and have said, oh, no, you're too small or um oh, and are about our size. You know, there's a saying that you never got someone never got sacked for hiring IBM, but you might get sacked for hiring, you know, a cheeky little startup like us. But never taking no for an answer. You're always thinking of other ways that you can get around that initial decision of no. So we've turned up at award ceremonies and met the owners of companies um, and did a little picture of them there, even though their executive team might have said, oh, no, sorry, you're a little bit too small. Um, that got us a, quite, a, quite a large deal recently. Um, and the same things for like a- applications to um, another kind of tech-based thing that we did in London. The first feedback on there was, sorry, no, your application has not been successful. Picked up the phone, asked them why, talked about them on the phone, and kind of got us into the next stage on that phone conversation, even though they'd initially already said no. And it's a similar thing back to the deal with Lawrence. So because we'd known Lawrence for two years and we were always pestering him, you know <laughs> how it is as a young startup. We were turning up at the networking events. That is
0: not the advice.
2: Yeah, of <laughs> it's course it past is. Past hang,
0: hang,
2: Pester Lawrence. Hang around <laughs> at the back of the, you know, back of the meeting rooms and wait for the networking to go. And then, you know, embarrassingly, a bit shyly <laughs> waltz over to you know the people you want to speak to and um, kind of build that sort of relationship early on and uh two years is a is a long while but like there's so much to come from that and this relationship's a lot stronger now than it would have been if we didn't only just met lawrence or any investor you're kind of looking at so um never take a no for an answer and always having that drive and vision of what you want to be in the future
0: perseverance
2: yeah perseverance
0: yeah no i think that's that's good advice you know um one in ten investments are successful, which means that nine out of ten times investment companies get it wrong. So are they really the experts? And I think if you have enough resilience and uh, enough confidence and belief in your own product, you could, that can take you a long way. Jordan, just final words from you. You have now been in the incubator for a few months, and I know the incubator itself, fast forward, is at its own early stage. But what has been your experience of it and um what would be your advice to startups looking at that type of thing
3: yeah so um we've been in incubated spaces before and although it was good it, it was a bit corporate led and i think here we've got a bit more freedom we're able to crack on as a tech company as a startup to just really get on with daily things and you know um have a kick around have you know unlimited coffee things like that you know like just being able to do whatever we want um and i think the resource as well we're able to bounce things off other people in the space but uh just today alone we've got help and assistance from guys at uk fast with marketing ideas for us um to do with booklets with our clients um and then also development we've been pointed in the right direction um with some development projects we've taken on lately um, so it's all around just a space where we can really bounce ideas off people, collaborate, work together, you know, be in a fun environment as well as it all being business and uh, hard work. You know, you've got to kind of uh, relieve yourself of all that and stress and um, have fun at the same time, really enjoy the journey. So that's what you
2: get here, really. Yeah, it's nicer having a meeting with a client in a nice boardroom rather than, you know, back of a Starbucks. So <laughs> Thank
0: you for that. Well, we've really enjoyed having you here for the last few months, and I can't wait to see what happens as Bislett develops over the next um, early part of 2019. I think it's setting times ahead. Um, So um, we want to hear from you, the entrepreneurs, what are the things that are keeping you awake at night One of the things that we can really find experts and people who've got past experience that can really help you with those challenges. Email into info at techmanchester.co.uk or tweet us at tecmcr, and we'll look forward to bringing in those people to help you get a better night's sleep.